Welcome to the Antlerless Podcast. Hunting for everyone. Welcome back to our third and final installment of Archery, Elk, and Deer 2022. Today, I'm going to kind of wrap up by talking about, I'm sure, a few more stories of just hunting in general that month, as well as some of the people that I met while I was out there. I am generally not a very social person. No. Which is why I'm able to live in a small camper in the woods for a month and not really, I guess you'd say, miss normal everyday life. Is that accurate, you think? Hold on, I'm sipping this eggnog. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to say Andrea's antisocial, but to paraphrase what she's told me before, you're the last thing holding me onto society and keeping me from becoming a full-blown hermit. Yeah, pretty much. You know, if you have ever known of a person, say, in your neighborhood or your town or whatever, who everyone's like, oh, that person is a hermit, they don't leave the house they don't talk to anyone you know they generally just keep to themselves um that's basically if you were ever wondering like what was that person like before they were a full-blown hermit they were andrea that's it's pretty much that's me and i've I've realized that about myself and i'm i'm not ashamed of it 25 years from now after i go in a freak cotton candy accident (laughs) it's gonna be like oh that's old lady wilson's house you never see her she just sits outside and plays with her chickens and talks to the dogs and the cat. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. But yeah, so I um, I actually did make some, some friends out there, though. Um, there were, not long after I kind of moved in and started hunting a day or two after the season started, um, a couple, well, it was four guys from Tennessee, and actually I think one was from Missouri. They picked him up along the way. But four guys from Tennessee who come out most years to the same spot. They bring a little enclosed trailer. They haul that out there and a couple of trucks, and they set up a wall tent, and they just hang out there for a couple of weeks until apparently, I guess, their uh, their families called them back home pretty much is what it seemed like. And they were really, really nice guys. And they a couple of them had suffered from... they They had... A, gotten COVID and RSV, and they were also, um, you know, not not really the fittest people you've ever met, and we're up there at 11,000 feet of elevation, so... Oh, we up here. You know, a couple of the four guys would get, would literally get out of breath just having a conversation, so they really enjoyed their time up there, but they were kind of there to support the two more active guys and kind of hunt close to camp and everything which was it was really cool because they gave me some really solid advice that I used later in the uh in the hunt about where to hunt closer to camp so that was really neat and one really fun story one thing that I really enjoyed um so one day they gave me they brought in with them because they brought so much stuff they brought some white-tailed deer backstrap with them like steaks and they would grill those every now and then. They had a bunch of it because in the South, you can basically kill a lot of deer every year. It's like deer squirrel season. hunting. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're just like, uh, yeah, you, you, 
and, and take this advice, you know, like driving with your eyes closed. Don't, uh, you know, always check your local big game brochure before heading out. But, you know, they're like, oh, you want 19 whitetail and like one feral hog a day? Go for it. Yeah, pretty much. And one of the guys even said, yeah, there's, I have a, a guy that lives close to me and the deer always get in his field and eat his crops. And they, he asked me to please come and, and shoot deer in his field. So they had an abundance of whitetail deer meat with them and they cooked out one evening and brought the next day gave me a couple of backstrap steaks which was amazing so as as a token of thanks what did you give them well that's where i was going uh, <laughs> i'm trying to make it seem like i'm involved here <laughs> uh, so soon after that we had talked about grouse they had seen grouse occasionally mountain, chicken. mountain chickens They'd never eaten grouse. They were interested in them, but they'd never really taken the time to worry about hunting them if they saw them. Well, one day I leave to hunt in the afternoon, and close to camp, right off the side of the trail, was a little, I don't know what a group of grouse is called. I'll just call it a flock. Oh, what did they... Like, I know quail is a covey of quail. So I know that birds have different group names depending on the bird occasionally. I'll just call it a flock of grouse. It was... A covey. Okay, a covey of grouse. It was two full-grown ones and three almost... It was like late juvenile. You know, they had been grouselings at some point. And your limit in Colorado is three grouse per day. And I proceeded to... Andrew was like, I, I like blasting. <laughs> I used my bow and I... Got my limit of grouse there in the space of about, it was probably under five. I don't want to exaggerate. I think it was a lot quicker than five minutes because I literally shot a grouse, recovered the grouse, recovered my arrow, knocked my arrow, shot the next grouse, recovered the grouse, recovered the arrow. Then I had to go, they crossed the trail and you can't, you're not allowed to shoot across a trail, which is just good common sense. Even if that wasn't a law, you probably shouldn't do that anyway. So anyways, I paused my blasting. Yeah, so I had to go and find the the little group of grouse, and I the found covey. the covey of grouse. And the covey was on the move, I. but they weren't moving faster than the thousand feet per second that Andrea's, <laughs> what is your bow, a Matthews? Yeah, Matthews Prima. That your Matthews Prima slings those. Feet for, they, what, what arrows? I'm trying to really load this up with buzzwords and make it seem like you're a, a an influencer. Like a dirt nap dealer? Yeah. I dealt some dirt naps. Let's just say I dealt some dirt naps to some grouse. And I found the, the group of grouse again. And luckily, the largest of the three kind of juvenile ones just stood up on a rock and kind of looked at me like, what you doing? That's the thing. They're so fucking stupid. Yeah. There's no other way to yeah. put it. Like, I saw some when I was out elk hunting. I saw one. And... Remember, these things can fucking fly. Yeah, they can fly. They they can definitely get in the air and better can, than a chicken. It, well, and not only that, but like if you're in the mountains, if something can only fly 20 feet high, but the ground is going down, they can fly a long ways because like you can kind of like glide downhill. Yeah, and they do that sometimes. And I've I've been where I was going is I had one that I bumped and it flew up. Like, barely off trail, maybe like 15 yards off trail, 
and dead level with the trail and landed on this one limb and may as well have like stopped and painted a target on its side <laughs> and then looked at me like, what you doing? Are you, uh, I got legs, you got legs, are we friends, dude? Yeah. And then like, I stopped and was staring at it and I was like, if I had something other than this 270, I would just smoke this grouse <laughs> right now. Just pick up a rock, try to hit it with a rock. So like I like yelled at it and it flew off. I was in a bad place. I I didn't <laughs> like that grouse. Um, so big the biggest one. So you leave the runt and the runt at, and you like so you smoke mama grouse, baby grouse, uh, daddy grouse, and like the big brother grouse. Yeah, yeah. And I I get the third one and I've got my limit and I I'm like well I'm gonna go back to camp and just clean these real quick and put them in the refrigerator and kind of looked at the time. I'm like, you know, I really was going to hunt this place that's a little further away, and I got to, like, get, I don't know, it's going to take a little bit to clean them. It'll be all right. And then I remembered my conversation previously with my camp neighbors from Tennessee, and that they'd given me some backstrap. And I walked over there with three grouse and knocked on the tent flap and said, how would you all like to have grouse for dinner? And I handed off my three grouse to my buddies from Tennessee. And told them, I was like, there's there's two more of them. This is my limit, so I'm not going to shoot more of them. But if you want two more grouse, you can go right over here and shoot two more grouse because they're just hanging around, wondering what happened. But that was really cool. And they got back to camp kind of late that night, and they had made fettuccine alfredo and a few other side dishes and stuff, and the grouse. And they barbecued the grouse, and it was it was wonderful. What about the moose? <laughs> Have you talked about moose humping yet? No, I haven't. Oh, I do have a continuation of the moose story in my mule deer spot, though. So the second week of archery season, there is a concurrent muzzleloader season. And I met some guys that were, well, it was one one young man who had his muzzleloader, who had a, a moose tag, and he was muzzleloader hunting for moose. And he and his dad had been scouting all, literally all summer for moose. And they had the moose they wanted in that area picked out. They literally were like, this is the moose we want. We have pictures of him. And this is this is the one we're looking for. We're passing up all of these other moose for this one moose. So they show me a picture of the moose. They're real nice guys. You're like, oh yeah, I know that moose. Well, they show me this picture of a moose. And I'm like, I haven't seen that one. And he was really unique because on his, they have like palmated antlers and on the front of his, he had all of these little finger spikes coming out. Just really, just gnarly looking. He was a really, they all kind of have a unique shape to their antlers. But this one was definitely, you can see if you're going to kill, because in Colorado, you can kill one bull moose in your lifetime. And this kid is young enough. He got his moose tag young enough that he has a chance of getting a moose tag, a second moose tag in his lifetime. And if he got that, he could only kill a cow if he killed a moose during this week. So, you know, I can see the draw to that, kind of picking out which one you want. And one well, day, it was atypical, right? So not only that, not only do you get to kill just one, but, like, if you're going to kill one, kill one that looks funny. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, everyone's seen a moose rack, but that one will be a little bit more of a conversation piece so yeah. it definitely makes sense and there's like a million pounds of meat you're gonna eat it for like like <laughs> i couldn't eat a moose worth of burgers in a year even if i tried right so so 
they show me this picture of the moose, and I see them occasionally. I'm like, haven't seen the moose, haven't seen the moose. Well, one day, I'm up at my mule deer spot, and I notice the, the three moose who had been up there kind of bugging me. They were not there. And what do I see in the darkness but one gigantic fucking moose. And it is this moose. And it... The antlers looked like a fuck, like a medieval torture device. Like, that's all I can liken them to. <laughs> they were scary looking. It was just huge. Because the pictures they'd shown me were of this moose in velvet. So the antlers are soft and round and not quite as big. So I see this moose. And I had... I forgot what I did the rest of the day. But I, I see this moose and I see them... I think a few hours later, and I'm like, yo, your moose is up there. Like, go and get your moose. And I don't really know what happened with them. I saw them the next day, and they're like, no, we didn't see it, and we're going to move camp and go to this other spot in the unit. So that was a little bit sad that they didn't get the, the moose that they wanted, but I'm sure they got a big moose because there were lots and lots of them up there. So that was pretty cool. No, that seems silly to me. I want one moose. I've passed up other moose. And I, now I'm going to go to a different I'm going to leave where the moose was spotted. Yeah. If you're not going to shoot the moose, then you should have shot and you should have shot the first moose. Well, and so they passed up on and this is getting to the moose humping story. There was in um, kind of the main drainage of the area, there was a another very large bull moose and I saw him one day. I was not hunting with a couple of muzzleloader hunters, but I just was on my way out. I caught up to them as they were hiking out to where they wanted to hunt. And then... Y'all were just sort of moving in tandem. Yeah, yeah. And when I caught up to them, they were stopped and looking at something. I'm like, they're looking at some kind of an animal. I don't know what it is. And it was a really large bull moose. And he had, he also had very, really interesting antlers. And apparently that kid and I say kid he was probably 17 or 18 I mean that's a kid yeah he can't buy beer <laughs> can go to war but he can't buy beer wait what wrong podcast <laughs> so he had actually the one of the muzzleloader guys um, said that that kid had passed up on that moose and his dad was kind of making fun of him and saying, I'm going to take a picture of you with this moose in the background so that if we don't get the moose that you want, you're going to have a picture of you with this one that you passed on. And yeah, that so that that moose, apparently, we, we watched him for a few minutes and he wandered off and the muzzleloader hunters went off across the drainage. I set up kind of in an ambush spot where there were lots of deer, where people had seen deer, where I saw deer, but didn't get a shot. So I was set up there, those hunters headed off, and when I was headed back in that evening, I I didn't see anything. When I was headed back in that evening, these two hunters, I, I crossed paths with them again. Apparently, that moose had stalked them. So they were, the moose would basically follow them from like 30 or 40 yards off and just watch them and pretty much just kind of hang around near them and make them uncomfortable. And a few times they were like, we're, they thought they were going to have to shoot the moose. Like they, it was just, they were trying to get away from it and it wouldn't leave them alone until they were out of its territory. So that sounded scary as shit. And the moose is like, nah, mate, you missed it. I pissed on that tree. I pissed on a rock over here. I kicked <laughs> that other bull out. Like 
the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, you're not supposed to be here. All the bo- moose babes that come through here, I'm doing the deed with them. Yeah, and so later on in the season, this was like fast forward to the last week of the season. I am coming back in one evening from hunting and I look off down into the drainage and I see this moose with a cow. It's like the Discovery Channel. <laughs> yeah. And her mostly grown calf. In front of the kids? Yeah, in front of the kids. And this bull is, he is sniffing and just humping and basically he has to, he'll like chase the baby off and then sniff the cow's butt and then hump the cow a little bit. And he did that a couple of times while I was watching. And Andrea's just up there with her spotting scope and a cigarette and she's like, yeah. (laughs) No, and I, I tried to get video with my phone and I didn't have, for whatever reason, I didn't have my phone on silent and it beeped and the cow heard that and she wanted to like leave the area. Yeah, she didn't consent to filming that. <laughs> and so she she wandered off a little at a quicker pace and the the bull just turned around and just stared at me like, What the fuck? You fucking He's like, You're block. next. <laughs> oh God. But yeah, so that was that was kind of humorous. Um, I, I've never seen that and I I don't know, probably won't see that ever again. Oh, if you spend enough time in the woods, you'll see a moose bang again. Yeah, probably. Especially if I go and hunt that area again, I'm sure. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the hunting that I did in the unit outside of the alpine area. Um, At one point, kind of mid-month, all of the willows in the area died off. And the willows are a big forage for the elk. And so the elk stopped appearing at the same time every morning and every evening to eat willows. So you couldn't really tell where they were. And so I spent a great deal of time just trying to find out where the elk are. Matt's doing the where they at though dance. And so I ended up going down to the lower part of the unit just to see if maybe there were more elk down there than there would have been early in the season. And while I was down there, I met a couple of hunters and, oh, and <laughs> if I if I wanted to get, um, I did some kind of sneaky stuff to get some intel on the area. You're such a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> so I drove down this road that was an access to a lot of the huntable area in that, in that part of the unit. And if I saw a dude in camo, and I am in like normal clothes, not in camo, and I took my camo hat off. And if I saw a dude in camo, I'd pull over and say, oh, is it, is it hunting season right now? My God, you're, you are exactly what you hate, the <laughs> woman that plays stupid to get what she wants. But I'm not the woman that plays stupid. I'm the woman playing the woman that plays stupid. So anyway. That's, no, <laughs> that's not a thing. So I ask if it's hunting season. You can't just gloss on past that. You're doing exactly what you hate when women do to get what they want. Like if I just went in someplace like midsummer when I was all like full of abs and like tan lines and like took my <laughs> shirt off and were like, hey, uh I wasn't being sexy at all. No, I mean, no. I pretty no, no. looked I looked pretty haggard at that point. Just I looked like a haggard forty year old woman without camo. Forty one. 
41, exactly. Like I, because I'd been in the sun and I'd been hunting for more than two weeks. And like now none of your clothes fit. Yeah. So like, and I, like the first place I lose weight is in my face. And when that happens, my wrinkles are way more wrinkly. So I don't, I'm not being sexy at all. I'm being 0% sexy. I'm just playing dumb about hunting season. It's, it, okay. And of course they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's a, it's, it's deer season and elk season and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, are are there elk down here? I thought they lived up in the mountains when it was this warm. Oh no, there, you know, there, there are some down here. You got to go to this place to kind of find this area and whatever. I'm like, oh, okay. So I can camp here and I won't bother anyone. And, you know, I didn't get specific information, but I just got information. And she pulls around the corner and she pulls out her Matthews. But they just gave me the information, the general information that I wanted, which is, yes, there are elk at this elevation right now. So I did hunt low a little bit. Um, One day I wanted to see, or kind of not one day, but I wanted to see, um, just check out this one long drainage that went from really high up, you know, 11, 12,000 feet down to 8,000 feet. And so I did actually camp that night. I packed up and hiked about halfway up, found a good camp spot, pitched my tent and everything, and then hiked the rest of the way up the drainage, just kind of going, checking out game trails and looking for fresh sign. And I actually at the very top of the drainage found fresh elk sign, but at that point, I was literally seven miles from where I was parked. And there was no easy way to get to that spot. If I killed an elk up there, I would have to pack it out seven miles. It would be downhill, but I would have to pack it out seven miles. So I didn't keep that as a spot of interest for this year. But in the future, if I had access to, because it was an area that was accessible from a different side by um like a four by four you have a four by four i don't know if the forerunner could do the mount Antero jeep road loud pedal <laughs> so it's an area accessible you just need to use pack horses yeah it would be more it would actually be way better with a pack horse um, oh you just blew your spot up you said the place well i said the mount Antero jeep road but there's a lot of area it's like saying hancock basically like i hunted in hancock and this spot happened to be, if I did kill something there, the way to get it out would be a 4x4 on the Mount Intero Jeep Road. But it was still a good ways from there, too. It wasn't close to that. It just wasn't seven miles to that. So, anyway. So, I, I did that. Did my overnight. And didn't really help. I met a couple of hunters while I was out there that had been hunting just in that area in general and hadn't been successful, but... They had found a private property right next to public land that had, they said, hundreds of elk on it. And I don't know if that was true, that number, but I went and checked it out one afternoon. And sure enough, I get there, and I'm on public land, and I'm right up against the barbed wire fence to this private property, and you can hear elk going absolutely crazy. You can hear cows, you can hear bulls, you can hear bulls that are uh, lip balling, which is 
basically when they're just really worked up and they have a cow in heat and they're, they're trying to kind of corral it and keep other bulls away from it. And you can hear all of these elk noises. And Lip Bond is like a horny, you want to go? Yeah. So I'm like, well. Or would it be more like, she's mine? It's a little it's it's a little bit of everything. It's it's it just means there is a hot cow here and everyone else needs to stay away and hey bitch get back here. That like it's it's talking to everyone about how they're in control of this hot cow situation. But I I had to try. It's look, I know that there is a 0.00001% chance of calling an elk off of private land onto public land it just it it, any animal turkeys elk any animal you can call your chances of calling them off of private land are almost zero but almost so you're saying there's a chance and i i said andrea's like i I just had to try 18 days in her pants don't fit anymore (laughs) she's like got like an eye twitch going she's like i'm gonna call them off (laughs) also for those of you that don't know the fence and the on X and open records didn't align right there, so she no, not in that spot. It was in a different spot. Oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. There. So this private land on one side of it that was against the public road. There's a spot that should have been BLM that kind of makes a corner that's probably three or four acres large into this pub into this private land. And they had a fence across that public land corner with a no trespassing sign on it. So I didn't go in there because I didn't want to get into a conflict with the landowner. And also, you know, what are you going to do? So you get in this little square, this little triangle of public land that someone has fenced off into their private land. You call an elk into the public land. You shoot it and it steps over the line. And at that point, legally, you have to get landowner permission to recover your animal. And the chance of you getting landowner permission after crossing the fence that they illegally put up to get your animal is pretty fucking low. I'd say your chance is probably higher calling an elk off of their property onto public land. So I set up to try and call an elk. Because there's, there's not just this one herd bull with a bunch of cows. There are a lot of other, it sounds like, lots of other bulls in this herd. So, you know, I'm not necessarily after the one that's got the hot cow that's fighting everyone off. I'm after one of the ones that's like, okay, maybe I'll look for a different hot cow. Also, your whole goal was just to kill an animal. Yeah. It wasn't like, I only want the big one. Da 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 da. You were going to say, like, there's an elk. Blast. Mine. Exactly. So I set up about 30, I was about 34 yards off the fence because I ranged it. Because if an elk jumps over the fence, I want to know exactly how far away I am. So, I set up about 34 yards off this fence, good cover, good wind, all the the stuff you want, and I start just doing a location bugle. And it seemed like for the second or third call, I might have had a couple that were bugling back at me. And so I couldn't really tell because they all sound, but they all sound a little bit different. And so I call a few more times think I'm getting an answer and this is over the space of like 30 to 45 minutes and I finally add in a little cow noise so I'm kind of making I'm making like a a territorial bull elk noise and might be getting a response 
And I finally throw in a little bit of cow noise, which means this fake bull that I'm making up, I'm making a scenario where this bull is getting worked up over a cow. And as soon as I start to put in a little bit of a cow call into my sequence, two bugles got close really fast. And one of them had a really unique bugle. So I, it was like an odd, very low, raspy bugle. And so I know that these two elk that I thought were answering me before, they are coming to the fence. And they are coming in fast. And I'm like, holy shit, this is it. Like, one of them is going to jump the fence. And I call, and they get closer, and they get closer. Every time I call, they get closer. And at some point, they sound like they are right on the other side of the fence. And it's kind of thick cover. I never saw them, but it's like they got to the fence and they're like, oh, never mind. They walked off. They went back to the herd. So that was my uh, my one success. Can you imagine trying to jump a barbed wire fence when your pecker's all hanging out and hard <laughs> and you like catch your hang down on the fence? Like, it's just not worth it. Like, like I'm not an elk, but like when I'm crossing a fence, I don't, I'm not too worried about ripping my jacket. I'm not going to be, you know, like if I put my knee down on a cactus, that sucks. But like, I do not want to catch my dick on a barbed wire fence and elk don't even have pants on. So, I mean, I'm just, just think of it from that perspective. Yeah. So they turned around and went back and tried later that evening to call from a different spot and kind of had the same experience. I had some elk that got closer to the fence not as close as the first two, but they basically they were like, oh, you're on the other side of the fence. I'm not interested. And they, they went back into the herd. But I was able to kind of sit on a hillside and watch some of the elk far off on that property. It was really cool. Like, it was fun to watch them play around and some of the smaller ones kind of jousting with each other and whatnot. So that was fun. Like, that was, you know, it was really cool to actually, that was the only time that I called elk and they responded how you want them and expect them to respond. So that was really, even though it sucked that they didn't jump the fence and I didn't shoot one, that was the only time that I called and actually got a response other than running off like I talked about last time. Or calling in other hunters. Yeah, or calling in other hunters. That that doesn't count. So, you know, that that's a little bit of a, like, hey, you're doing something right. It just wasn't the right situation. You know, like I said, I, I didn't expect it to be successful, but that was as successful. Like, that that's as close as you can get other than them, like, staring at you from right next to the fence. Like, leaning on the fence and looking at you. Like, putting an elbow on a fence post and being like, man, I'm just not, you know, <laughs> just sorry. Yeah. So that was kind of my hunting low experience. Um, I did go back up to Hancock for the last week. And it was really, it was cool because it had gotten cold. And it's it's fun. Like I watched over the course of September, I watched the seasons change up there. I watched animal behavior change. I watched the animals change places. The, you know, the moose got hornier. The, <laughs> the squirrels got noisier. The grouse changed where they were hanging out you know it was yeah you directly affected the population of the <laughs> grouse in that area do you know how many grouse you killed all week 10 or all month 10 or 12 no no it wasn't nearly that many it was five or six it wasn't that many i did the three in one day i did two well i did have two that first time and i lost that one and then i 
killed one, one or two during the last week. Yeah, so that's like seven. Okay. So, 40 or 50. (laughs) So, that last week was really cool, though, because it was quiet. A lot of the hunters had left the area, and it was, because it was cold up there, a lot of the tourists left the area. There were fewer side-by-sides and trucks and stuff going up and down the, the main Jeep road out there. It was just... It was just quiet. It's like I had the place to myself a little bit. And because of that, the animals kind of started moving around in some places that they had been avoiding. And one evening, I, I'd i had a really long day and I, I kind of didn't want to get far away from camp and hunt. And so I just set up to watch this hillside that the guys from, the guys from Tennessee had left. And I set up to glass this hillside right next to camp where they had seen, while they were there, they'd seen a couple of bulls up there. And I, for whatever reason, I kind of got wrapped up. And this was something I was going to mention when we talked about what would I do differently. I kind of got wrapped we're, up we're in, not there yet. in hunting this certain area that was really hard to get to that all of the dudes were hunting in. So I wanted to go hunt there too. And I can get into all the difficult spots and whatnot. And I, so I kind of ignored... The fact that these guys were like, yeah, this big hillside right next to camp, there's elk up there. So I go, yeah, I set up to glass. And almost immediately, I see this gorgeous bull with a couple of cows up on this hillside. And I'm literally, he's just beautiful. He's not like a big tank of a bull, but he's like a nice, mature bull elk. And he's just standing there and like squinting into the wind. And I'm like, what is he doing? And I'm like... He's just up there being fucking fabulous. Like, he just knows he's just a beautiful animal, and he's just, like, staring it into the wind. But I, at that point, was like, well, I see the direction he's moving, and I know how long it would take me to get to this one spot on this mountain hillside. I mean, it's a hillside, but it was about a 700-foot gain up to where this elk, like, the elevation of this elk, and straight up. Like the kind of hiking where you can reach out and touch the ground in front of you. And I'm like, well, it's the last week. It's the week for doing hero shit. And I got my shit together real quick and went to where the elk was kind of headed towards to see if I could just set up an ambush really quick. Head him off at the pass. Yeah, pretty much. And it, it ended up not working out. I don't know if they heard me. I mean, I was probably, I don't know, like... A half mile from where I wanted to inter like the, the intersection spot where I wanted to catch the elk was like a half mile from where he was when I started, so it's very possible that they heard me coming up, but that didn't work out. But I ended up hunting that spot a few more times, and uh, honestly, like there was fresh elk shit within view of the main road, and I had just ignored that spot for stupid reasons. So, you know, I did hunt there some more, and that's one spot that if I did hunt in the area again, I would definitely concentrate on that. Another spot that was really close to camp that I had kind of ignored because it was, it, it was kind of hard to get to. It was just this one, just a, a ridge line coming off of the Continental Divide that had a big, mile-wide, big open meadow area on top of it. And all the woods around this open area had lots of elk sign. 
And so one afternoon, I figured I'm just going to go and hike around up there and see what I can find and just do some calling. And of course, when I call, like nothing is answering because whatever the, the elk up there don't like elk calls, I guess. And I'm going up this road, old roadbed. It's not a, a real road anymore. It's not used as a road. Going up this old roadbed and right around the next, this bend, I see a cow elk. And so I get in the bushes on the side of the road and I range this cow and she's 50 yards away. Dun, dun, dun. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to have the same scenario where I regret not taking a shot, kind of like the mule deer. I'm a little bit regretful about not taking the 60 yard shot on the deer. It's like, it's 50 yards. I know I can hit an, an elk is huge. I know if, it, if I get a broadside shot, I can hit this elk. And so I wait because she hears me get in the bushes and she turns and faces me. And not that I wouldn't take a frontal shot if it was really fucking close, like 20 yards or less, but I'm not going to do that shot at 50 yards for sure. I'm not going to do that shot at 30 yards. So she's facing me. And I'm literally just sitting there waiting to, to draw because I have pretty good cover behind the bushes that I'm in. And it's like, okay, as soon as she turns broadside, I'm going to draw and step out and shoot. And while I'm waiting, a bull walks out behind her and starts sniffing her butt. She starts to walk off into the woods and he's like, ooh, booty. Starts sniffing her butt. <laughs> and I understand. <laughs> and... I'm like, oh, man. And, of course, my heart rate jumps up another, like, 10 or 20 beats per minute because he's a nice bull. Like, again, it's not a giant tank of a bull, but it is a nice, mature... I didn't count the antlers at the time because, fuck, I'm not concerned with that. It's a big bull elk. Probably a 5x5 five five or 6x6 six six bull. And I'm like, okay, well, I know he's 50 yards. And as soon as he is distracted... I'm going to draw and step out. And, of course, he, like, turns to sniff the cow butt. He kind of looks at, looks in my direction. I step out, and he, he stands there and looks at me. And, uh, oh, yeah, and he had started to walk off with the cow, but I made the nervous grunt noise at him, which is something that the Elk Nut app taught me, is that that's a noise you can use to stop a moving elk when you want to take a shot. And so he is going to follow this cow in the woods, and I, I grunt at him, and he stops and looks at me. And I'm standing in the road at full draw, and he's just looking at me trying to figure out what's going on. And I shoot, and my arrow goes into the bony, fleshy part of the top of his shoulder, which is not not even a, a shot that's going to be lethal at some point in time. It's just a big mosquito bites this elk, and he trots off. Because I did not compensate for the fact that he was uphill. And I was just nervous. So it's like first shot on an elk. It's a nice bull elk. And that uphill shot tends to be the one that at the archery range that I skip because I'm not that good at it. So that was that was it. Like that was my one chance that I had all month. And I fucked it up. And I drove out and helped Andrea look around and Never really found her because <laughs> yeah. I tried to help Andrea look around. Let me rephrase that. Rephrase that. He tried and, to uh, find me and couldn't find me because I was wandering in the woods. I, so I sat and waited for a, a while, like half an hour. And finally I went to the spot where the elk had been standing when I shot. 
I crawled around on my hands and knees for probably 45 minutes and there was not a speck of blood in that in that spot like I I spiraled towards the direction like I I started where the elk had been standing and just kind of worked my way in kind of a spiral pattern like out into the woods where he trotted off to but my arrow was literally like hanging in by like the broadhead it was not very far in the animal and it was just up in the top of the shoulder where you can't you can't kill them like he probably scratched it off in a tree not too far from there if I had to guess but I never found the arrow never found any blood and never didn't get an elk but if you want to know if you leave the lights so the mini truck has a really weak buzzer in it like if you leave your keys in or <laughs> it's leave just your, like it's not even that loud it goes and uh yeah if you leave the lights on in the mini truck for like an hour and a half bitch still cranks she good <laughs> so because i was like walking around you I, didn't you didn't have any GPS app on your phone that would work without phone service. The problem was is I didn't have that area downloaded to my GPS apps that work without phone okay. service. All right. So, I was completely lost. Like I knew where I was, I knew where the truck was. I just couldn't make sense of where Andrea was supposed to be because I had sent him a message and so he had my GPS coordinates. He could look on the map at where I was when I sent him the last message. But he couldn't find that spot. Yeah, it just, it totally did not work out. But I'm like walking around and I'm like, well, Andrea's got to be back. My truck, she's cranking the truck for something. And I'm like, no, you left your lights on, you dumbass. So I like (laughs) trot down there and turn my lights off. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was exciting. And I went the next day even and looked for, I wanted to find this elk that had my arrow hanging out of his shoulder. But I I found the elk herd two different times in these same woods, but I just busted them both times. Like, I just heard elk run off, and it's like, well, there's elk here, but I'm just not finding them again. Like, I'm, I'm not getting close to them again. I'm, they're just running off before I, can, uh, before I can even see them. What would you do? God, I feel like this is a whole other episode. What would you do different next year? Uh, no, I mean, I can hit the high points. I mean, as far as, so if I if I hunted in the same spot, which I don't know because the elk in this spot were really quiet. There wasn't nighttime bugling. There wasn't, like, they didn't seem to answer calls and almost to the point of where they were averse to calling because, like, the the elk that I shot at that was at, I don't know, one or two in the afternoon. And I had been calling as I went around the outside of this big meadow. And it almost seemed like they were moving away from me as I approached them. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would hunt. I I love that spot, which would draw me back pretty easily because it's a fucking amazing just place to be. But if I want to, in the future, hunt elk that will answer calls, I don't know if that's the spot for it. There's definitely lots of elk there, but they are really, really, really hard to find. And if I did hunt that spot again, I wouldn't let myself get wrapped up in the the one, the spot where I left my elk call, you know, one gulch over from kind of the main area. 
that was really scouting that area preseason. There were a lot of elk there. Everyone else saw that there were a lot of elk there. And and that zone is really easy to scout. Like if you just wanted to look for general elk in that area, it's really easy to buzz around in a side-by-side and cover a lot of ground just kind of looking for elk. Yeah. So it's an easy-to-pressure unit, I think, is a way to put it. Right. Or and, zone. And this this one gulch is hard to get into. There are a couple of there are some spots around there that are easy to get to. This one spot where I had seen all these elk was really difficult to get into. It was just a, a hard hike in no matter what. And that's like why there were dudes camping up there. And when I was, you know, mid season when I'm like, where the fuck did the elk go? I went up into that gulch from the bottom and found where people had been camping in the gulch. Like, they're like, hey, this is an elk habitat. I'm going to camp right in the fucking middle of it. So th- there were people that were, that spot was getting very, very pressured. And I kind of let that get, I got wrapped up in it. I wanted to hunt the hard spot. Because then that's one thing too. Like, my dad's always been like, well, you have to go in the spots that are hardest to get to. And that spot was definitely the hardest to get to in all of the, region where I was and but that's where everyone else was going so I didn't need to get wrapped up in that and I spent a lot of time trying to hunt that area alongside everyone else and I didn't have to because where I saw the most animals was not that spot and I don't want to say wasted time but I spent a lot of my time that I could have spent elsewhere in places that didn't have as many hunters. I guess what else I would change? I need to stop skipping that fucking part of the archery, the 3D course where I do uphill shots. That's like the big thing. I shot so much to get ready. And I literally, like I went to the Gunnison Archery Range once and the first, I don't know, seven or eight targets on the course are all these steep uphill shots. And I just fucking like breezed through that shit and was like ah these suck I hate shooting uphill and of course that's when you're under pressure you drop to the level of your preparation and that's what I did that's exactly what happened I I bet I made bad shots on like the 3d range at doing uphill shots and so when I had an uphill shot in real life I've made a bad shot all right so is that it I guess that's it do we record a combination Matt Elk Andrea Whitetail episode soon Yes. Okay. Yes. Next episode, I want to hear about your elk hunt, and I will talk about my whitetail hunting, and we can throw in a little squirrel team six if we want. Sound good? Yeah, that might be two episodes. All right. We can do two. We'll do as many as we want. It's our podcast. It's, it's my your po- podcast. It's my podcast, and I'll do what I want. All right, I'm everyone. just here to bring in the perspective of getting your dick caught on a fence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you all for listening to this episode. If you'd like to see more Just Riding Along outdoor media content, you can find us at JustRidingAlongShow.com, Just Riding Along Outdoor Media on Instagram, or you can join our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Just Riding Along. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.